In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to another week of Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and my goal is to make you aware of the best leadership practices, leadership trends, and thoughts around leadership. Now, we also talk about business issues on this show, business issues that leaders need to be aware of in order to lead their businesses successfully in today's global marketplace. And what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about leadership. Now, we have listeners from all over the globe, and today I would like to especially welcome our listeners from Toronto, Canada, because that is where our guest is calling in from. So regardless of where you're calling in from, a good morning, a good afternoon, and a good evening to you. And what's this series about? Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization is having on our organizations and what that impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we have talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance, generational management, and business values that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please download this series. You can listen to great advice, leadership success stories that you can learn from, ones that can motivate you, stimulate new ideas, and possibly even be the key to your success. So I invite you to connect with me. Send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Connect with me on my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net, on Twitter, and on LinkedIn. Tell me what you want to hear about. I'd love to hear from you, so please drop me an email. If you are in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week, and we will make sure that you take home something useful for your business or yourself. So on to what we're going to talk about today. Um, I've seen a lot of leadership development programs in my career, and although most of the feedback I get from managers is that they're happy with the programs, but sometimes I get the sense that maybe they wanted something more or they didn't get what they expect or they wanted something else. I remember years ago, leadership development was made of lectures, presentations. It could not have been more boring. When you were told that you were being sent to a leadership development program, You knew you'd be sitting listening to a lecture, and the only good thing about it was it got you out of the office for a day. Then came a new wave. The era of team-building activities emerged, where we all got together and we built boats, we played paintball, and we did other activities that really did not lead to leadership development although they did bind teams together for a short period of time. But both as a CEO in my earlier days and as a management participant, I was never a really big fan of these these team-building, touchy-feely methods that were supposed to be leadership development programs. Um, To me, they were more like kindergarten activities for adults. 
But then again, this method also became a little bit passe and more sustainable team activities such as systemic team coaching took over. But on the individual leadership development front, things did move in the right direction with the combining of soft and hard skills. And how do we help leaders today? Because those programs are still in existence, but times have changed. We have new challenges today. So what kind of leadership development do we need today? And that's what we're going to talk about because my guest today is a leadership development expert. Glyne Roberts-McCabe is the founder and president of The Roundtable. Glyne is on a personal mission to inspire great leadership. As the founder and president of The Roundtable, Glyne and her team are helping today's generation of leaders bring more conscious leadership to their work in the world. Through their innovative and multi-award-winning Roundtable peer-to-peer coaching programs and their Leaders Teaching Leaders community, the Roundtable is known as a place where leaders cultivate their leadership together. In 2016, the Roundtable was named as the best external consulting provider at the Canadian HR Awards. Klein has been at the executive table for over 20 years and successfully led a variety of teams in both the profit and nonprofit areas. Klein shares her passion and what she learns in a monthly newsletter called the Roundtable Recap and her leadership blog, Roundtable Talk. Glyne is come calling in from Toronto and Canada, and she lives there with her husband and a uh, uh, highly engaging daughter. So welcome to the show, Glyne. Thanks so much for having me, Kimberly. It's great to be here. Yeah. So I, I'd like to just start with a very simple question. First, um, why did you develop this passion for leadership? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I always say that I went to the school of um, initiation by fire when it came to leadership development, which I think a lot of us have gone to. Like, I mean, it was literally one day I was told you're going to have a direct report and um, there it was, you know, then I was suddenly managing people. And I think that that, um, that was sort of the first stage of my career was really learning through trial and error, making mistakes, being frustrated, all of those kinds of things. And then I feel like I had the very good fortune of finding myself working for a consulting firm that focused heavily in the leadership space. And what that allowed me to do was, frankly, a lot of navel-gazing about my own leadership. I suddenly, I, I was saying to a group last week that, uh, you know, the first time you do your 360 feedback, a 360 feedback assessment, you know, it's a very difficult process yeah. because you suddenly get all of this feedback about your leadership. And I said, the hardest thing for me in that process was realizing that, gee, the problem wasn't my direct reports. The problem, a lot of it was me. <laughs> so yeah, I am. That is a scary process when you do that for the first time. You're, you're kind of, you kind of go home and just pray when the results come in, they're better oh. than you think they will be. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. You go through all, I, I call it like, like the, all of the emotions. Like there's first, yeah. there's, you know, dismay, and then there's anger, and then there's denial, and there's justification. And then eventually, hopefully, you come to some form of acceptance where you yeah. can look at the feedback and think about how it's going to help you as a leader. But that was really, I, I think for me, it was because I'd been um, 
first stage of my career, you know, a line leader, mostly in sales and marketing, and then found myself in this consulting space, but always felt like a bit of an outsider in that space. Um, You know, my background is not in human resources, um, but I'm very passionate about it. And so I've always felt like I've been a bit of a bridge between the practicalities that we face as line leaders when you're, you know, running a P&L and you've got all these pressures on you. And the other side, when you're in the leadership development space and you do a lot of navel gazing and thinking about leadership and what what it takes to be a good leader, I feel like I sort of straddle both of those things. And and that's what's really, you know, for me, uh, led to the passion wanting to help other leaders be better. So. And, and that's a great place to be because you've, you've lived it. You've walked the talk. You've done everything. Um, you've been in those positions. So you know what it's like to be in a leadership position. And today you're helping leaders. So I, I, a curiosity, I'd like to start out with what are you hearing today? Because we're talking about the changing marketplace and the challenges that we have today. And everything goes so quickly. What are you hearing are the biggest issues? leaders are facing today in the workplace around leadership? Yeah, it's such a great question. I mean, I think there is multiple, but if I could boil it into three key things, I think one of the big things is this this whole ambiguity that's happening in the world today. Industries are changing so quickly. Um, You know, we're seeing the demise of so many institutions in terms of whether it's publishing, whether it's, you know, we saw what happened in the music business. I mean, there's so many things that are shifting and changing across sectors. And I think a lot of leaders are having to lead in in, in this ambiguity. And that's kind of a scary place because we've been conditioned to think that leaders have all the answers. I mean, we know that we, you know, we don't need to have all the answers, but there's still a lot of pressure I think people feel that they need to know where we're going. So I think ambiguity is a, a, a big issue. I think the second issue is generational. You know, I don't like generational labeling. I'm a Gen X leader myself. And I remember, you know, the labeling that was put on us when, um, you know, the bitter generation and the disloyal generation, and all of those kinds of things. However, I would say, you know, the millennial group, because they are a much larger cohort than my Gen X cohort was, are shifting the conversations in organizations. I don't think what they want is any different than what baby boomers or Gen Xers wanted, but because they're a larger critical mass and they're not signing up for a lot of what organizations have been selling lately, that's throwing talent into a bit of a spin cycle because a lot of companies that I work with are having a tough time finding the talent they need, and then keeping that talent because they're working on old models. So that's the second big issue. And then the third one that's really keeping me up at night lately is really this relentless pressure for profit over people. Mm. And I think, and it's such a systemic issue, but what we're seeing now, the increase in mental health issues in workplaces, um, the increase in um, feelings of loneliness and isolation in workplaces, um, anxiety in workplaces, this is not good. I mean, I've got clients that have, you know, high potentials going out on um, stress leave. These are your best and brightest. I mean, if they're not um, able to sustain it. And so I think those three issues for me are ones that it doesn't matter who I'm working with or what, you know, industry they're in. There is a flavor 
of those three themes that emerges. And then you can layer busyness on and what technology's done and all of the things that we've known about, you know, for the last 10 or 15 years. But those three are the big ones that keep me up at night for sure. Mm. I'd like to I'd like to t- touch a little bit more on one of those um, yeah. because you're talking about the the, the talent pools around mm-hmm. um, uh, the millennials and and them you know looking for different things in jobs. So mm-hmm. when you're when you're working with companies, are you seeing today more advancement within the company or is it more? job changing around companies. And I'm asking that because I'm wondering how that relates to the developmental needs. If, you know, in the old days, you'd go, you know, start as a secretary and you'd end up as a manager, okay? And today there's so much um, lateral hopping around. Do you, what, what's your sense on that? And does that have an effect on the kind of development we need? Mm-hmm. Development well, programs. Yeah, I mean, I think... Um, it's a great question. And I think there's this pervasive myth out there that um, millennial employees are more mobile. Um, they, you know, don't have the same loyalty. So they move around a lot more. And so sometimes people will question, you know, what's the point in developing people if they're going to leave anyway? Um, the, the reality is, most millennials, when you talk to them, they actually don't want to move. What they have, though, is that they do have a bit of a sense of um, the timelines where, you know, um, those of us who are a little bit longer in the tooth in our careers would have thought about paying our dues and working our way up the ladder. These guys have a much shorter expectation or a, a much, um, yeah, shorter expectation around how long that's going to take, right? And so if they don't see career opportunities or career pathing or the opportunity to move around um, and move up soon enough, then they will tend to leave and look outside for those opportunities. And I think for organizations that you know, maybe have had a very rigid way of developing their leaders or putting them through certain critical experiences in order to be able to then be allowed to go to the next level. They're struggling because the, you know, younger leaders are less interested in that following those sorts of more prescriptive formal paths. And so I see development happening both, you know, from inside the company, certainly a lot of companies that I work with invest in developing their talent from within. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I think it's it's a challenge to meet the, you know, the timeline needs of a lot of these uh, younger leaders who are looking to, you know, really know what the career path is going to look like and, and have very specific terms within which they want to play um, mm-hmm. on that career path with the, with the company. Yeah. And I think there's another aspect I'd like to I'd like to go into that um, after the break and and get your opinion on um, uh, you do a lot of roundtables. And I'd like to hear about the difference between collective leadership and individual leadership programs, development programs. And um, I'm very interested in that question also in relation to that the workforce today seems to be a little bit more collective as more than, especially the millennials than, than individual. And I'd like to hear your opinion on that. Okay. 
Um, we're going to take a, a short break, uh, Glein, and um, when we come, come back, we're going to talk about that. And I'd like to also talk about the importance of programs and, the, and, as we said, the ownership of the development programs. Who owns those programs? So for our listeners, we are talking with Glein Roberts-McCabe. She is the founder and president of the Roundtable, which is located in Toronto, Canada. And Glein can be reached at www.goroundtable.com and on Instagram and Facebook under at GoRoundTable and on Twitter under at HeyRoundTable. And I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis, CEO and leadership and business expert. You can contact me with your comments at leadershipbeyondborders at Gmail or join my LinkedIn group, Leadership Beyond Borders, and I would really like to hear from you. And we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. There are two types of leaders in business. Those who are nice, compassionate people. And frankly, they are the people who fail to get a lot done. Then there are those who can get everything done and so much more. But they are greedy, unethical, and self-centered. The Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks finds a way to use the best of both types of leaders to help you create a dynamic roadmap to success. Tune in every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Business. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. I am your host, Kimberly Lewis. And today we are talking with Glyne Roberts-McCabe. She is the founder and president of the Roundtable in Toronto, Canada, and Glein is a leadership development expert. And before the break, we were we were talking about your passion for leadership and some of the things you're hearing from people. You know what leaders are looking for today. And I'd like to I'd like to go into a little bit more about how we do it in the programs. And can you talk to me a little 
bit about the difference between collective leadership development and individual leadership development and what's better one or the other or where it's better. Yeah, so I mean, I when when we talk about that, when you think about how we typically have developed leaders all the way along, and you and you alluded at the start, you know, to this notion that you would be sent off, you would go to this course, or you know, or maybe you got lucky and you got uh, somebody to coach you, and you got to work one on one with a coach. It's all very individualized. It's all about you, your leadership, and that's important. I'm not negating that, but the reality is, and if we go back to you know when when you asked me about the trends earlier, you know, these trends around work is more ambiguous we don't know what's going on therefore we need to be collaborating with other people in order to make better decisions in in order to be able to understand how to stay ahead of the curve we have millennials that are much more um, they've grown up in a technology age where you don't have to wait for the president to tell you what's going on. You can Google it. You can, well, and in, in the United States right now, you can go on Twitter um, and find out what's going on today. We, you know, this is a generation that is used to pulling information, not waiting for it to be pushed on them. And so um, we've got that happening. And then mental health wise, you know, people are feeling very isolated. So mm-hmm. to me, this notion of developing as a collective becomes incredibly important where we sit today in in what is the age of collaboration. We have moved past the knowledge economy. We are in the age of collaboration because we are in such a complex world and ever-changing world environment. So developing individually as a leader does not make sense to me. You know, when everything you do is reliant on other people and their work styles and everything else. So, um, you know, about 10 years ago, I really started to notice that where the best conversations were happening, actually, forget, 20 years ago, I noticed in our classroom, because I worked at a company that ran classroom training, all the best conversations were happening over lunch on the couches where Mm -hmm. people were talking about their real issues. Because... We're busy. We don't have time. And it's nice to sit in the classroom and get a whole bunch of info thrown at you. But when you really just want to know, how do I do this? That's where tapping into the collective wisdom of other leaders is so critical. So I think that's a big part of it for me, Kimberly, which is why we, you know, why we need to really start shifting and think about how do we develop together? Mm -hmm. And when you talk about developing together, then, then my question would be, where is the ownership in leadership development? I, um, you know, years ago, the ownership was, you know, the boss said you do this or mm-hmm. uh, HR. Where, where, where do you feel the ownership of leadership development is? Yeah, well, I mean, I think I graduated in 1989, which was at the height of the first kind of crash of everything where, you know, middle managers were being stripped out, people were getting pink slips. So, you know, my whole generation has been shaped by that experience, which is very much around knowing that um, you have to look after your own career path. You know, this, Mm -hmm. this old paternalistic view of, you know, mom and pop company are going to look after you for the rest of your life really got blown apart in the 80s and and it's never come back and so I think ultimately you know as does the CEO have a responsibility to develop leaders and invest in talent a hundred percent you know mm-hmm. there the expression um, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Well, what is culture? Culture is a mm-hmm. collection of the people in your organization. It's that simple. So if you're not investing in your people and you're not aligning them to the strategy, doesn't it, it will not matter if you've got a brilliant strategy. So I think, you know, the CEO and the senior leadership team set the conditions and support around it, but 
as each of us individually, we are responsible to look after our own career path. And I have a friend of mine who coined this term shared success. You know, we have a responsibility to look at both what we need from a company and what we can offer that company and what the company needs from us and what the company can offer us. And when those things are in balance, then you have this beautiful shared success. Problem is most people don't really know what they need. So you have a lot of people who do not have a lot of self-insight and a lot of leadership development focuses on what I would call skills and knowledge. So you know, you, you know, you can go take a course on delegation or on time management, but the thing is, how many people then still struggle with delegation? So you know right. what to do, but you're not doing it. And that's really where, to me, the rubber hits the road when it comes to leadership development is looking at why aren't you doing those things? And let's get under the covers and look at your motivations, your biases, your all of those things. And then when you layer in then how that plays out when you work with other people, this is, you know, this is, takes a lot of work to kind of understand yourself. And yet I think it's so foundational to being a great leader. You need to know yeah. yourself in order to also lead others. So, and, and I think that you made a very good point on the, on the responsibility of the CEOs. Um, I have a, a very good friend who mentored me slightly in my CEO career, and he's a fantastic leadership trainer. And he always talked about that the CEO's job is is to create that atmosphere, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, you can never motivate somebody. Somebody has to motivate themselves, and they have to understand what their development needs are, and they have to be mo- motivated to develop themselves. But as a CEO, you have to give that opportunity for them, create the atmosphere where they can grow and give them development opportunities. So I think it, it fits exactly to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I'd like to I'd like to ask you, um, this is my favorite question, okay, um, <laughs> because I have a very, very mixed opinion on this. Um, where does HR fit in this whole process? <laughs> <laughs> oh, HR. Um, yeah, you know what? I think there are some phenomenal business-minded HR leaders. I have to say, I, I personally think that the HR um, sector is still struggling. I think that what I'm seeing, which uh, to me should disturb people in HR, is I'm working with more and more HR leaders who don't come from HR. They were line leaders who are moving into HR roles. And I think that should disturb people in the HR space. And I think one of the things that I have to, I'll be very candid here, drives me crazy about HR as a, a particular you know, functional area is that they don't get out into the line enough, you know, and so they're very process oriented and often procedurally oriented and don't really look at the realities of what um, people need who are working, you know, in the trenches on a day-to-day basis. And so I love HR. And so, you know, if HR people are listening and thinking, here I am slamming HR, I'm not. I (laughs) love HR and I would love to see more CEOs get selected from the HR, you know, chief human resource office is being picked to be CEO, but why aren't they being picked? They're not being picked because they're not connected enough to the realities of the business, in my opinion. So they'll continue to pull from the finance function or the sales function or the marketing function or whatever those functions are, but they're not pulling from the HR function. And I think HR has to take a hard look at that. Now, I always say the the best development an HR person can do would be to go work in the line for two years. And then really see what it's like to have to fill out their 40-page performance reviews or their, you know, the, the different things that they put in place that bog people down. 
you know, mm-hmm. so anyway, sorry, I feel like I just jumped on a soapbox there. No, no, <laughs> I, I, no, I, I have a very similar opinion and, um, and the, it's sometimes to me, is it, is it the cart before the horse? Okay. Because okay. one of the things that we as leaders have done to HR over the years is we have not invited them to the round table. Okay. Mm-hmm. They were always, they were always very functional process oriented, as you said, and they were never invited. And now, um, we're shifting and that experience is needed. So we, we can slam this a little bit, but on the other hand, you have to say, well, we didn't do it correctly for quite a few years, but I think the HR people also have to, as you said, take the initiative themselves, go out in the line, mm-hmm. try to find out what's going on because business is shifting and, and it's such a critical role though mm-hmm. in development. Um, do you, do you see uh, there's good examples and bad examples? Can you, you have a good example of um, where HR is quite developed, uh, quite uh, engaged in the development process? Oh yeah, like I mean, I have. I mean, I would say with the work that we do, when I first launched our business, and I would go out to people and say, "Yes, I've got this group coaching program," and you know. The, Traditional people say, well, can you tell me what the learning outcomes will be? It's a coaching program. So really, the learning outcomes are guided by the needs of the group. Mm-hmm. People who could not get that concept were never <laughs> our clients. So we've we've been very fortunate in that we've had some very progressive clients that are incredibly um, connected to the needs of the business and put the business needs first. So they are definitely out there. And in fact, um, you know, we started a little a little peer group here in Toronto of what one of my HR clients coined cool HR people because that was her, you know, her own frustration, (laughs) you know, like her own frustration was the fact that she couldn't find it within her own peer network. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I think, I think there's a feeling within that community that things need to change. And I think there's some really great being people being attracted into it. And I, you know, and I've got, you know, HR friends of mine who will say to me when the, when they interview people and they say, why do you want to get into HR? People say, well, because I want to help people. (laughs) <laughs> they'll say I immediately take them off my candidate list because that's not what we're looking for we're looking for right. people who can um, bring the business perspective into the conversation and I think that's just so key is that what HR really needs to be doing is connecting those dots you know connecting the dots between the soft side and the hard business results right like you know things like culture yep. for example can come across as very soft when you say, oh, what are your values? And, you know, people have these nice words on a wall that mean absolutely nothing. But, you know, when you actually connect values to business outcomes and you have a business that is so driven around a core set of values where everybody knows what these mean, they know how it's driving their behavior, and then it's driving their business results, you know, It's, it's phenomenally powerful. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true because this is really what we need, and I like that cool HR people. That's really, <laughs> yeah. that's a super one. Um, no, I, and I think I think the other issue, just to, to kind of close this issue on HR, um, is that there there's also you know there's. Uh, um, I would say a tunnel vision sometimes, okay, Um, that I have some colleagues who have left business and said, well, I'd like to go into HR, and then the recruiters will say, well, no, you've never done HR, okay, and um, I say, well, what do you mean I've never done HR? I've done done each other for the last 15 years because I've managed 200 (laughs) people, okay, and so I I think the end of it is that companies have to be a little bit more flexible and, um, 
and really look at the skills and not the titles and then engage HR more. I'd like to ask you one more question before um, we take another break. So when you in this development of HR, are you seeing any industries that are moving faster towards what we need um, than other industries uh, when you're when you're dealing with this subject? Mm. I mean, the ones that I see that are like super progressive are often the smaller, you know, the, the kind of the technology companies, the the startups, they just do it differently because they do tend to decentralize HR. There was a company here in Canada um, called G Adventures that um, the their president made headlines a few years ago where he announced that he was he, it was provocative. He was firing the HR department. He didn't actually fire the HR department, but what he did do was um, have a head of talent and a head of culture. And and that's a different, you know, yes, they still did recruiting. They did other, you know, um, did the culture pieces, but just the, the whole positioning, you know, that we're not yeah. going to have. Um, <laughs> you know, somebody yeah. sitting at a desk doing features That's and benefits. So I think tech companies, fast-moving companies, the bigger the company, the more um, stuff slower. they get in their process, Yeah, slower. Legacy, you know? yeah. Yes, totally. absolutely. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to take a break for our listeners out there. Um, we are talking with Glyne Roberts-McCabe, who is the president and founder of The Roundtable, located in Toronto, Canada. And you can reach out to her on her website on goroundtable.com or also at Twitter, Hey Roundtable, and on Facebook and Instagram at Go Roundtable. And I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis, and also a leadership expert and business expert uh, with 22 years CEO experience and um, relating really one, this conversation is, Glyne is super. So thank you, because this is a really great conversation. Um, and for our listeners, please reach out to Glyne and take a look at her website. She also has a blog. And if you'd like to contact me, please contact me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or on LinkedIn or on my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. And with that, we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. How many milestones do we rack up in our lives? From marriage to changing jobs, buying a home, and starting a family. We think we have our money and finances figured out, but it isn't that easy. Learn how to plan, set, and achieve your financial goals by tuning in to Money Counts, unleashing your money's hidden potential with host Debbie Peterson. It's time to take control of your personal cash flow. Listen every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. I am your host, Kimberly Lewis, and we are talking today to Glyne Roberts McCabe. She is the founder and president of The Roundtable in Toronto, Canada, and she is a leadership development expert. So we've been talking about, we just in the last couple of minutes, we've talked about HR and the responsibilities and the ownership of developmental programs, Glide. I'd like to talk about the future of them, okay? Because what, uh, what, what are the needs? What are the needs you're seeing and what kind of development programs do we need for this changing environment? Yeah, I mean, I think I think one of the things that we're seeing a, a, a lot of is this whole idea of development being really closely integrated into the work you're doing each and every day, as opposed to the traditional view of development is that it's treated like an event, you know. And I, I think again, if, if I think of how you described your own experiences at the start, you know, the the legacy has been very much like. I call it the 18th century schoolhouse where, you know, you're in a classroom, it's this one day or two day workshop, maybe it's a five day thing if you're lucky, um, or you do, a, you know, team building offsite or those kinds of things. And what we've been seeing more and more is the integration of learning into shorter bursts, which is, you know, that's fine. So you can grab a little bit of learning here, a little bit of learning there. Um, but I think the next evolution is really going to be where, your work is your learning. And, um, and certainly that's a model that we've been um, really working on in the approach that we take is that, that we, we use the expression, let's flip the classroom. So you're going to go and do and try some things, have a conversation with a direct report, and then you're going to come back in and you're going to talk to your group about what you did, what worked, what didn't work. You're going to share experiences together. You're going to tap into that collective wisdom um, as opposed to it being this, um, you know, event that you go and do. And I, I have to say, like, I'm, I do a lot of coaching. And um, it's funny, because I find we're so conditioned as human beings to think of learning in the boxes of what we were used to. Like, I mean, we all went to school. And so that's what we equate learning to being is that we have to be sort of sitting there and having somebody spoon feed us information. Um, and so when what I find fascinating is when people do try other methods of learning, like learning on the job or learning through a team experience or um, integrating, you know, they're, they're doing strategic planning, but they're also learning about themselves as leaders and how they show up during the strategic planning session. They won't necessarily equate that to being learning, but it is right. This is, Mm -hmm. this is, I think we have to change our paradigm of what it means to, uh, 
to look at development these days. And um, so we're seeing more and more of a shift of that. And, and then obviously things like gamification and technology apps that allow you to, um, and because we do a lot of behavior change with people or people trying to grow a new behavior. So, you know, helping them, you know, keep reminded of those things and, and cut through the clutter of all the noise that they're exposed to every day. Those things I, I'm seeing a big, um, big uh, move towards for sure. I really, I really like the the collective idea, because if you think about it, you know, ma- leadership is pretty lonely. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, you might get a coach and you can talk to a coach, but then, but then there's there's times that you're making decisions that you really say, hmm, you know, should I have done this or should I have taken door A or door door B? Okay, <laughs> and um, this, you know, yeah, and this collective. Um, so you're bringing you're bringing then leaders together onto a round table, and they're mm-hmm. they're sharing their experiences. Mm-hmm. Could, could you talk yeah. a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I talked about that. I mean, it and and this really stemmed from my own experience. So when I was in my early 30s, I was managing partner of this consulting firm that I was um, working for, and I was running their their office in Toronto, and. Um, I had my managing partner peers, but they were all at a very different stage of career. I was in my early 30s. They were in their late 40s to early 50s at the time. And I remember going to my boss and saying, I would love to talk to other people that are at this stage of career about the challenges that I'm facing in a leadership role. And there really wasn't anything out there to tap into. There was lots of groups for CEOs and for entrepreneurs. And I started really getting curious about that. I started getting uh, very interested in mastermind groups and things like that. And and just really um, loved the power that came. I, I got put into a mastermind group with a couple of other friends of mine. We, we just sort of did it on our own. And it was such a powerful experience to be able to work on real issues, work with other people who brought different perspectives mm-hmm. to the issues. And, um, and that was really, for me, the first. Uh, I got bitten by that bug. And I thought, we are completely underestimating the expertise that sits within the room. You don't learn leadership in a binder. You don't. Right. You don't, you know, case studies are interesting. It's all very fascinating to read and dissect other people's problems and mistakes. But you know what? Until you are in it, until you are doing it, that's when you learn about who you are as a leader. And I think we don't, you know, I thought, why don't we have platforms to explore this? And so that really became the foundation of the roundtable. And I wanted to... Um, experiment with um, this notion of leaders not only being able to learn new leadership tools, techniques, learn about themselves more at a deeper level and get really clear on who they were as leaders, but also to be able to deal with, frankly, some very tactical issues. Um, You know, I just uh, talked to uh, somebody yesterday who just had to fire somebody for the first time. They've never had to go through a firing before. And, um, you know, when you're in a group and, and, you, you think that other people must be able to fire people, no problem. And then you hear the perspectives around the room with people saying, oh, gosh, worst experience I ever had. And let me tell you what I did wrong the first time I did it. And here's the thing that I learned from that. And da, da, da. that is so powerful. That's and powerful. that's what reduces the isol- the feeling of isolation. Because we're all yep. you know pretending that we've all got it together. But nobody's got it together. Nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody knows. Right. And it, it is especially that, especially those difficult tasks that come oh. with leadership, whether it's, it's de- dealing with difficult people, conflict management, delegation. 
Okay. Yeah. Some of I mean, delegation is something that, uh, that you ha- have to learn to do. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that is really a great sharing experience. I want to, I want to add one comment also, because I really like this concept that you're working with and it really is thinking out of the box. And I just like to add a comment that the learning as you're doing Uh, We haven't done enough of that in the United States or in Canada, but I have to say in in Europe, for example, in Germany, essential part of the university programs are really co-share programs where people, where the students go in to uh, companies and they spend a lot of time in companies in positions and then come back and study. Mm. And... um, it really, it's a really fantastic system, and it's something that maybe as as the younger, the Generation Z now is coming in, that we need to look at developing them into the workshop workplace a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a Generation Z working for me now, um, and it's hard because you know, first of all, they've never stepped into an office, okay? But I just wanted to throw that in there because it's something that uh, our listeners might, if they're interested in development programs, you might want to look at some of the European programs also. Um, I agree. I think the Europeans are actually much further ahead of this curve. I was at a conference last week, and it was. Um, number of you know practitioners from across mostly Europe actually there was a couple of us from North America but it was mostly European and you know what they're they're doing a lot more um, proactive things I think there's a lot more support at not just an organizational level but at, at a government level around certain initiatives and certain mandates particularly around things like diversity and things like that yeah. that I think are really exceptional that we don't have in North America yeah, and that and that was my next question. Do you think? Um, I, I, yes, I agree. I mean, I live I live here, so I agree. <laughs> I, 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 and I, I do spend a lot of time in the states, so I can kind of see between. Um, but to, to that subject, I would like to. You just said diversity, mm-hmm. so we're, we're doing these roundtables and these these you know development uh, sharing and pair sharing, colleague mm-hmm. sharing of information. What about special things? Like what mm-hmm. about you know programs for women or programs mm-hmm. for on, on cultural sens- sensitivity because mm-hmm. we are working in a global economy and mm-hmm. it's it's sometimes scary to to uh, see how, sometimes how ignorant people are about other cultures. Do you think you need special programs with those? Well, here's what I've learned from running these group programs. And, you know, just to give you a sense, like our group sizes are usually eight people. They're very intimate and they work together for a year in kind of short bursts and they get some coaching in between. And, you know, I've run these programs. um, In fact, my first thing before I started my own business was I ran um, programs for women and it was for senior executive women. And they were these small group peer programs that I was running for um, a national women's organization. And, you know, it was it was interesting to me to see a the support that that, that women gave each other. But I will tell you that um, I think in many ways it was also very limiting because what I've learned from doing programs where I've got like a mixed group where I've got men and I've got women and I've got you know all kinds of you know different departments and divisions and diversity is when you bring people together and you create a shared experience for them, um, which we do kind of through the the program structure. 
what you create is actually empathy. And I think that's what's missing um, a lot in, in work is that we think, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. the, and whether you want to put it a label of a gender difference or a um, racial difference, or frankly, you're in sales and I'm in accounting and accounting always gets upset with the sales team. <laughs> it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Like it's all about learning to understand each other. And so I think that that's the piece that um, I've really seen be really impactful as we've done specialist, you know, roundtable programs for um, diversity or young managers and and uh, yeah. you know, and I've got a friend of mine who actually they run ones that are LBTQ oriented. I think they're all great. I think I think the thing, though, that I would say is the more you could actually, I think you get to breaking down issues like that when you keep the groups diverse, you know, mm-hmm. instead of this notion that women should just work together. And right. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love women's groups. Women go deep. There's so much support in there. They're phenomenal. But if you want to make a shift and you want to change men's perspective on what's going on in workplaces for women or for diversity or for whatever the issue is, well, don't be talking to yourself about the issue. Pull in those people yeah. who can actually be a part of the solution, you know. And so I think that that for me is a little bit of a, um, a, a sense I take. I think we need to be sensitive that there's differences, but I also feel like, you know, we pulling everything, pulling us apart Plus and getting together. people just talking to each other doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. So um, that I, I, it's interesting because I do what programs for women, but it's a little bit different. And then I do the mix, the, the diversity programs, which is definitely mixed. So um, I, if we had another hour, we could start to talk about that. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, for sure. I guess like in closing, um, in closing, just uh, we're getting to the end of the show. Just two tips you have for our listeners, um, regardless if they're CEOs or regardless if they're leaders themselves developing. Two tips on leadership development. Um, so two tips I would give if you are a leader yourself would be to work on developing your self-insight and self-awareness as much as you can, because I think that's going to be your differentiator. And uh, get support. Look for how you can get support, because to Kimberly's point, it, leadership can be lonely, but it doesn't have to be. And then I think for everybody in general, I would just say stay curious. The biggest death knell for anybody's career is when they stop being curious. When you stop being curious, you're not able to add value. And in today's work world, you need to continuously be able to add value. And to do that, I think you just need to keep staying curious. Super. Well, thank you very much. Those are great last tips. And for our listeners, we have been speaking with Glyne Roberts-McCabe, and she is the founder and president of Roundtable in Toronto, Canada. And Glyne can be worked, uh, contacted at Hey Roundtable or Go Roundtable on Facebook and Instagram and under her website at www.goroundtable.com. And thank you for a great show. And in closing, I'd like to say that we've talked about a lot of possibilities of the new wave of leadership development. But the one thing I would like to tell our listeners is don't forget about context. Because companies, when they begin to engage in new programs without identifying exactly what they need, when they have leadership programs, then that's when leadership programs sometimes fail because context is really important. Focusing on context inevitably means equipping leaders with a small number of competencies that will make a difference to their performance. And I really liked Glein's uh, sharing and I think that's something that we all can take away, um, the tip on roundtable and sharing experiences. 
And you have been listening today to Leadership Beyond Borders. We are also leadership development consultants and cultural diversity and systemic team coaches. And I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis. Please reach out to me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or visit my website at leadershipbeyondborders.net or globalbusinesstherapy.com. Please contact me for motivational speaking, keynote speeches on leadership, diversity, and culture. And I always end each show with a saying. And I think this week, my leadership saying is that context and sharing are successful leadership development keys for both you and your company. So thank you, and we'll tune in to us again next week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.